welcome to Cancer Conversations. I'm your host, Erica Matthews. I am a wife, mom, and wellness coach. I understand the trauma of getting a cancer diagnosis and the intense battle a person instantly steps into. This podcast is all about learning how to overcome adversity and how activating faith plays a key role in the outcomes we want to have. Each week, I will be bringing you education and inspiration, as well as interviews with other fellow warriors. Get ready to be empowered in your faith, mindset, and your health. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Cancer Conversations. I have another lovely guest. I'm so excited for you all to hear this episode. And my guest this week is Chris Wark, otherwise known as Chris Beat Cancer. And I'm just so excited that he has uh, agreed to come on the show. We have so many questions to ask him. But Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I know that there are many people that still don't know about your story. And um, I just want to say that in the beginning of my personal diagnosis back in 2020, my friend dropped off your square one um, modules and I feasted on them. And I remember just getting so excited and hopeful that if you could heal naturally, so could I. And so I just want to publicly thank you that you, because of your efforts and everything out in the world, that I had the permission to go about it to the natural way. And because of that, I mean, I don't deal with pain. I'm not sick, you know, and I'm I'm not on that roller coaster, you know, of reoccurrence and, you know, having to take a drug for this and that. And so anyways, thank you so much. So would you mind just starting us off with sharing your story? Because I think that there's some people that may not know um, about your amazing story. So sure. I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer when I was 26 years old in December, 2003. And at that time, you know, being a young person, it was quite a shock it's a shock at any age, but you know, when you're young, that's the last thing you'd expect. And I didn't have any family history. I didn't really know anybody that had cancer. So it was, it was completely foreign to me. I just didn't know anything about the disease. And I had been having abdominal pain for the better part of a year and it, the pain progressively got worse and went to the doctor, was referred around, eventually had a colonoscopy and that's where they found a golf ball sized tumor in my colon in the large intestine so from there i was told i needed to have surgery right away and this is typically what happens in cancers that as soon as you get a diagnosis you are put on a conveyor belt and it's a very fast moving conveyor belt and you're sort of locked in and things are being done to you really i almost want to say without your permission but I mean, that's not true. Every patient gives permission, but in many ways they're coerced and they're, it feels like you're being forced into treatment that you don't understand. And many patients are coerced just purely out of fear. And they're just told if you don't do X, Y, and Z immediately, right? Surgery, chemo, radiation, this is going to spread and kill you and you'll be dead. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And so... It's through that manipulation of fear that so many patients 
are in surgery within a day or two, or they're starting chemo within a day or two, or radiation within a day or two. I mean, it happens so fast. You don't have time to think or read or research or get a second opinion, which you absolutely should get a second opinion, a third opinion that will buy you some time, but most patients don't. Mm -hmm. And so you find yourself, like I said, on this conveyor belt, and it's very hard to get off once you say yes, because there's so much pressure from the doctors, from people around you that don't know anything about cancer, but they just insist that you follow the doctors. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was in the middle of, right? This is what every patient finds themselves in the middle of, is this whirlwind of fear and, and pressure. And so I was told you need surgery right away. And I just happened to postpone it out of convenience. I, I just, just asked if I could do it after Christmas because they wanted to have me in the hospital immediately. And I was going to be in the hospital over Christmas. And I was like, I'd, I'd rather not. <laughs> you know, can I just have a normal Christmas? So I went in on December 30th. They took out a third of my large intestine. When I woke up, they said, it's worse than we thought. It spread to your lymph nodes. We took everything we could see, you know. And you're going to need nine to 12 months of chemotherapy because stage three means it has spread. But cancer staging in itself is also, it's sort of this antiquated methodology because everyone in the cancer industry knows, all the doctors and scientists and researchers know that circulating cancer stem cells, circulating tumor cells, they leave the primary tumor site before it's even big enough to detect. Mm. So, I mean, you can have a cluster of cancer cells the size of the head of a pen, and you already have cells leaving that site looking for other places in the body to metastasize. Mm. So this idea that it's like, it's not metastatic until it's stage three, is, it's not true. But anyway, they, they know that, and that's why they, even though they can remove all the, the obvious cancerous tissue, they know there's still cancer cells circulating in the body, and that's why they recommend chemotherapy, because they're hoping they can mop up the remaining cancer cells. They can kill these circulating cancer cells or clusters of cancer that are too small to pick up on a scan. And so I initially, you know, just assumed this is what I have to do. But uh, once I got home from the hospital, I sobered up, I got off the pain medication. Of course, most of these decisions they ask you to make, you're on heavy pain meds <laughs> when you're in the hospital. That's why you really need that gets with you in the hospital. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I can give you is when you're in the hospital is have someone with you taking notes, mm. writing down everything that is said, writing down all the medications that are given to you because mistakes happen. I mean, people die in the hospital all the time, every day yeah. from medical mistakes. Yep. And so just having someone in the hospital, my mom was doing that for me. She was taking notes. I still have the notepad where she wrote down everything the doctor said, all the sort of important information that was passed on to us while I was unconscious, you know, mm. and recovering from surgery. So anyway, that's pretty important. The other important thing is that you need to make sure you ask the right questions before you start treatment. And I didn't understand this. And because most patients, as I said, are rushed into treatment out of fear, they don't ask the right questions and they're not told all the information. They're told very little about treatment. Most of them are just told, you know, these are the drugs we're going to give you. They're told something to the effect of, well, these this particular combination of drugs has been shown to be highly effective for your type of cancer. This is the lingo. Mm -hmm. Highly effective. And the patient here is highly effective, and they think, oh, cure. 
These drugs are likely to cure me, but highly effective in the drug science world does not mean cure. Mm. Highly effective just means the drug causes some tumor shrinkage. It's highly effective at some tumor shrinkage short term. <laughs> okay. That's all it means. Mm. And so many oncologists repeat this deceptive marketing language to their patients that they have been trained to use by the drug companies and the pharmaceutical reps. And so patients think their odds of survival are very high and that the drugs are highly effective when in reality, yeah, they may shrink some tumors, but the cancer's coming back and it's going to be more aggressive next time around. And it really is tragic and egregious and cancer treatment, the cancer treatment industry is just fraught with uh, fraud. Total. Just, just absolute fraud, deception, suffering, and massive money-making at the expense of the health and the lives of the patients. And I talk about this in, in great detail in my book. And I understand some people listening might just think, oh, he's just making all these wild accusations and claims. It's like, no, this is well-documented by the cancer industry in their own published studies. And I review many of this, I'd say, damning industry studies in my book, Crispy Cancer. But anyway, I didn't know any of that. Mm. All I knew was I had a diagnosis. It was super scary. And I was told I needed to do chemotherapy. And I knew that chemo drugs were highly toxic. I had observed what those drugs do to humans. Mm. And it was alarming. I still have these vivid memories burned into my brain of being a very young person, being a kid and seeing a, an advanced chemo patient, you know, at the mall, mm. right? Or at church or somewhere and just being just shocked, you know, just deeply, deeply disturbed mm. by a human in that condition, right? It's almost like seeing a concentration camp victim, mm. someone who's grossly emaciated. They just look like they're dying, you know? And so I saw myself in that condition and needless to say, I had some reservations about doing treatment, right? I was like, treatment is going to do this to you. So the idea of poisoning my way back to health didn't make sense. So I prayed about it. And I was a, I'm a Christian. I was a Christian then. I still am. And as a believer, you know, it's like you, what you're taught to do is to, to give your fear and worry to God, to bring your problems to God, to ask for help and to trust that he will supply all of your needs. And that he will work all things for your good. That's Romans 8, 28. And so I was like, okay, like this is the ultimate test of my faith. Do I believe that God is going to work this for my good? Do, that, do I believe that he will deliver me, that he can and will heal me, that he'll lead me in the path of healing? Like, do I believe all these things that I have claimed to believe when it was easy to believe? And obviously the decision at that time for me was, yes, like it was easier to believe then than ever <laughs> because I was desperate, you know, and it's like they say there's no atheists in the foxhole, right? And when you're faced with your own mortality, with life-threatening circumstance, it's just so easy to just reach out in desperation or fear or whatever and ask God for help. So 
I did that. And I just said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me, you know, I trust you to supply all my needs and to lead me in just a simple prayer of desperation and faith. And a couple of days later, I got a book that was sent to me from a dad's who lives in Alaska. And he sent me a book by George Malcolmus called God's Way to Ultimate Health. And George had, I start, you know, this book shows up and I started reading it. And I learned quickly that George had healed his colon cancer with a raw food diet yeah. and juicing. So I thought, well, if George did it, maybe I could do it. If it worked for him, why wouldn't it work for me? I mean, we're both humans, right? And and the the encouraging message of his book was that cancer can be healed. Your body created it. Your body can heal it if given the proper nutrients and care. That was a big takeaway and that there was a method and it wasn't one that he invented. It was just one that he discovered, <laughs> you know? And he, he, I mean, he just passed away last year. I mean, he lived for another, that was in the 1970s. So he lived for another 50 years-ish after finding out he had cancer. So anyway, and his body healed in a year. So one year after he found out he had colon cancer, he was tumor-free or symptom-free or whatever. And so I was so encouraged by his book. I was just, I knew it was an answer to prayer. And there was no doubt in my mind like that I prayed, this showed up, this is what I got to do. And so, yeah, it can, overnight I converted to a raw food diet. Mm. Went to Whole Foods, loaded up the shopping cart. Back then, Whole Foods used to sell juicers, bought a juicer. And it was, you know, in a 25 pound bag of carrots <laughs> and like, it was just immediate. I just decided I'm taking immediate, massive action. And, uh, it happened so fast that like I was married, I was a newlywed, basically just been married two years, no kids. And my wife was just like, what are you doing? Like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, she didn't really understand. And I was trying to explain to her. I mean, I'd had these, all these revelations, you know, these epiphanies that like, I don't want to destroy my body. I want to build it up. You know, I'm sick. I need to heal. I don't need, I don't need treatment. I need healing. That's what I need. And I need to learn how to help myself heal, how to support my body's ability to heal. Cause there's something missing. Right. There are, well, it's sort of a two sides of the same coin, but I needed to figure out what is causing and contributing to my disease. Yeah. And the flip side is what do I need to do? Right. What's missing? What do I need to remove from my life? What do I need to add to my life? Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of family pressure, of course, to, to go conventional. I, I went to go see an oncologist, the one that I'd been referred to. And that appointment didn't go well. I don't to talk about my book, but basically he treated us very badly and and was rude and condescending and intimidating and and coercive and and talked me into chemo. I mean, he talked me into it out of fear. And I I made an appointment to get a port. And that was several weeks later. But in that time, I just kept reading and researching and praying and running that juicer. <laughs> And the day came for the chemo port and I didn't go. I just woke up that morning and I was like, you know what? This is not what I want to do. If I'm going to live or die, it's going to be on my own terms. Mm -hmm. And so they hounded me a, a bit, you know, phone calls and letters and things trying to convince me to show up and, you know, get back on the conveyor belt. But, but I, 
resisted. And eventually they left me alone. And I very quickly found a naturopathic doctor who connected me with an integrative oncologist. And I just assembled this little support system. And at that time, it was just all I had, you know, but it was enough. And I just went from book to book to book. The internet wasn't helpful. There was no social media. But I just kept finding books about healing cancer. And they all were repeating the same core message that a diet of raw fruits and vegetables and juicing was this incredibly powerful yeah. anti-cancer diet, like the most potent, most powerful anti-cancer diet. I'm like, okay, like I keep seeing the same message. This is one I'm, you know, it was confirmatory. And then there's other elements. Exercise is incredibly beneficial for survival, as is stress and detoxification and forgiveness. And so, you know, I just started working through my life and just bit by bit, you know, trying to improve my life, every aspect of my life, and identify these things in my life that may have been contributing to my disease and eliminate them and replace them with health promoters. But the good news is like diet and exercise, I mean, you can change those things overnight, mm. immediately, mm. right? Pretty much every person I know, unless you're on a feeding tube, can change what you eat starting in a few hours, right? At your next meal. Mm -hmm. And so exercise, almost everyone, unless they're bedridden, can go for a walk, which is highly underrated, by the way. Walking is incredibly wonderful exercise for you. 20, 30 minutes a day of walking is fantastic. And those are very big levers that every person who's interested in healing cancer or preventing cancer can pull, right? You can pull those levers. And then along the way, then you start pulling the smaller levers, right? And then you start working on your attitude and your thought life and your emotions and forgiveness and faith and, you know, supplements and other therapies and all the other little things that can offer some benefit along the journey. But the major things, and that's really what I try to focus on and teach people in our community. It's like, you've got to focus on the big things that produce the biggest impact. And I think it's easy for patients to get really caught up in this sort of like cancer cure mentality where they're just constantly chasing after like, what, where are the miracle cures? I've got to find that miracle cure or lotion or potion, you know, that's out there. Is it just some Amazonian herb or something? It's like, it's probably not one thing that's going to cure your cancer. But what I know after 20 years and interviewing dozens and dozens of people and meeting you know, hundreds more who have healed cancer against the odds is that every single one of us didn't just do one thing. Mm -hmm. We turned our entire lives upside down. It was a massive, radical life change. Yeah. So the common threads are raw foods and juicing, exercise, detoxification, forgiveness, stress reduction. Like those are the big things. Mm -hmm. It's easy for me to rattle them off quickly. It's harder to like implement, right? Right. But yeah, I rarely meet someone that says, oh, I took this herb and my cancer went away, right? Or I drank this special juice from a network marketing company, <laughs> you know, and it cured my cancer. It's like, yeah, I drank some alkaline water or something. So it's like, if you want to get well, you got to take massive action. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I had CT scans every six months, blood work every month for years and just continually improved and started to feel better and better. And, and then 
all of a sudden I was five years out and no cancer. And then about a year after that, I decided, gosh, maybe I should share my story somehow. Maybe there's people that I can encourage and give hope and guidance to, you know, and continue to carry this torch. And that was 2010. And so started chrisbeatcancer.com and a Facebook page and, you know, YouTube channel and stuff like that. And just started teaching what I learned. And then I started interviewing other people who had healed and interviewing doctors, cancer doctors, holistic doctors, and experts and researchers. And it just, I just found a love and a passion for doing that. And it just kind of grew naturally into a, from a part-time passion into just like all consuming, you know, taking over my life as a full-time patient advocate and speaker. And I've written three books. We have a program that we help people navigate cancer with called square one. So yeah, it's really been a kind of a wild <laughs> journey that I did not expect my life to, you know, didn't, I didn't expect to, to end up where I am, but God worked all things for my good. Mm -hmm. I keep that, that little Bible verse that I believed in the beginning of this 20 years ago, cancer journey, like proved to be wildly beyond what I could think or imagine, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and that's what God does. That's right. And so, so here we are. Mm -hmm. So what were you doing? What line of work were you doing before you got the cancer diagnosis? I was in real estate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was buying houses. I had some rental property. Some t I was dealing with tenants. It was pretty stressful. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. It was exciting, but also high stress. Okay. Yeah. And stress is a big contributor to cancer more than I think we know. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the thing with stress is that uh, stress is an umbrella term, right? It's a big catch-all term for negative emotion. And negative emotions are caused by a lot of different things. Like, so if you have thoughts, negative thoughts produce negative emotions. So like negative thoughts regarding your past, bitterness and anger towards people who've hurt you, guilt and shame for the mistakes you've made, that's going to produce stress, right? Regret, that produces stress. Negative thoughts about your present situation. So insecurities, jealousy, envy, right? Comparing yourself to others, not being thankful and grateful for what you have, that produces stress. Negative thoughts, negative emotions, puts your body in a state of stress. Future-based stress would be worrying about the future, right? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen to the economy? What's going to happen with the election? What's going to happen with the war? What's going to happen with, you know, just what ifing, right? Constantly right. what ifing. Worst case scenario, catastrophizing is such a great term, but it's just thinking about uh, constantly worrying about the worst case scenario mm -hmm. in your life. This produces stress. Yeah. And when your body is in a state of stress, doesn't matter what the cause of the stress is, when you're in this state of psychological, emotional stress. And by the way, present stress is also like financial problems or work problems, dysfunctional relationships, right? Conflict. All of these produce stress. And when you're in a state of stress, your body responds physiologically with uh, elevated cortisol and adrenaline. And these are stress hormones that are helpful if you're really in trouble, but they're harmful to you long-term if you stay in this elevated state of stress. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they suppress your immune system mm -hmm. yep. and they promote inflammation. Those are the two most important things is mm -hmm. inflammation 
and immunosuppression. Because if you live your life, and by the way, you don't get cancer because you had a stressful week at work. Like that's not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But when you go years in just from in, in an elevated state of stress, and sometimes it's not even the same stress. It's just you just go from one crisis to the next to the next to the next, and you're carrying all this unresolved conflict from your past, and you're not you're holding on to bitterness and anger. You just become sort of a ticking time bomb. And that elevated stress keeps you inflamed and it keeps you immunocompromised. You're in a state of immunosuppression. And that means it interferes with your body's ability to fight and eliminate, to identify and eliminate cancer cells. Mm. So your body over time comes a place where cancer can thrive. Mm -hmm. This is what stress does to you. And not to mention, stress leads you to self-medication. So what do we do when we're in st under stress? Well, we will find an outlet, right? Because stress is like pressure, right? We need a pressure relief valve from stress. And how do we relieve that pressure? Well, alcohol, tobacco, right? Drugs, the, the legal kind and the illegal kind, overeating, spending money that you don't have, right? Just pornography, gambling, video games, binge watching. This is what we do to distract ourselves from yeah. our problems, right? Anything you can do to distract your mind from thinking about your problems and your stresses. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Those are all habits that are disease promoting over time. Mm -hmm. So we end up in a vicious cycle where the stress is causing us you know, physiological problems, but then we exacerbate it with the way that we self-medicate. Mm -hmm. So most people I find are, they're just not aware. They know they're stressed, right? But they're not aware of the sort of catastrophic ripple effect of the stress in their life and the way that they're handling it, right? Way they're coping with it or not coping with it. And so <clears throat> it's really empowering when you realize, okay, they're like, you learn to recognize what's stressing you. And then you have the tools to deal with that stress in a way that's really healthy and to recognize your own destructive self-medication tactics, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And to replace those, right? To stop doing those things that like are actually making things worse over time. And so, you know, earlier I said like, it's so easy to change your diet. It's so easy to start exercising. What I'm talking about now is not easy, right? You can't fix your stresses and your bad habits and your bad thoughts and all this stuff overnight. You can't fix it overnight. You really have to work at it. And you can turn things around relatively quickly, but you can't do it overnight. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that I, as I was learning, I just started working through in my life, catching myself in bad patterns of thought. When I was being critical and judgmental and negative and cynical, I would catch myself mm -hmm. and be like, you know what? You're being judgmental right now. Like, I'm going to choose not to be. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, right now, you're being envious and jealous and petty. I'm going to choose not to be. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, you're in a state of fear. I need to stop and give my fear to God and trust Him with my problems and with my life and with my future. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, right now, you're feeling bitterness and resentment toward people from your past. I need to stop and forgive this person right now. Hey, I want to pause from today's episode and talk about an immune system molecule that has certainly changed my life, but is making a lot of waves out in the world. 
And strong immunity is my passion. And I truly believe that every single person needs to be using this molecule. It activates your natural killer cells. It makes your immune system 437% smarter. It kills cancer cells. And its main job is to help your body recognize a threat and then respond to it. Now, one of the great things about this molecule is if your body doesn't recognize where the problem is, it can't certainly fight it. So it's like this molecule points out where the problem is so it can effectively fight it. So if you are interested in what this molecule could do for you, go ahead and message me at hello at ericamatthews.co. All right, let's get back into today's episode. Yeah. And so again, it's just that that is a discipline. Right? It's a mental practice. Right. Of like the Bible says, take every thought captive. Right. And that's what that means. Like taking your thoughts, recognizing your thoughts. Now they call it mindfulness. Right. But this is not a new concept. Right. Yes. Right? At all. But like being aware of what you're thinking about and then also knowing that what you think about can affect you yeah. in a positive or negative way can affect your physical body. So again, the empowerment comes from understanding this process. And then you can interrupt these bad habits and just bit by bit, day by day, thought by thought, you can start shifting yourself out of that pattern of living that is basically the, you know, the disease path, right? Mm -hmm. The disease pattern. So this, these are the things I learned to do and the things that I teach now. And um, stress is huge. It's a huge thing that every patient has to address and really dig through your life. And the the most powerful thing, I would say if, I mean, I've had to summarize it into two, it's one is give your fear to God, right? Like really learn how to trust him and not live in a state of fear. Mm -hmm. And then two is to forgive every person who's ever hurt you. And that's what I did one by one by name, you know, again, can't do it in one sitting. You just, but if you sit down and decide, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start forgiving people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you sit quietly and you think through your life and you just, okay, God, who do I need to forgive? And names and faces, right. Pop up. And you, and then you, as you revisit these life events, Mm -hmm. right? One by one of uh, people who have insulted you or let you down or abused you or whatever they've done, right? And uh, one by one, I would just say, okay, God, you know what they did? And you know how I feel about it. I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to, but I'm choosing to forgive and I'm letting it go and I'm giving it to you. They're all yours, right? I'm just, I'm laying down the anger and the bitterness and the resentment. I'm just laying it down and it's all yours. I'm not going to carry it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking you to bless them, which I really don't want you to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't want to forgive them and I don't want you to bless them, but I'm asking you to bless them anyway, because I know it's right and good Mm -hmm. and righteous, right? Yeah. I know that for me, I need that. I need to do this. And by the way, when you pray that way, God heals your heart. You know, God will heal your heart when you pray for your enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, Jesus Christ gives good advice. <laughs> Just 
take his advice, just like (laughs) follow his advice. Yes. And so that is how you heal a broken heart is through forgiveness and heal a battered, bruised up, hard heart, right? A hardened heart can be restored through forgiveness and you can release yourself from a prison of pain through forgiveness. It's Mm -hmm. so powerful. And I've met people who did everything right in terms of the cancer stuff. They did all the conventional treatment or they did all the alternative stuff and, but they wouldn't forgive Mm -hmm. and uh, they don't get well. 100%. I cannot emphasize enough that it can be the absolute barrier to healing Mm -hmm. that anger and and resentment and bitterness can completely keep you sick. Mm -hmm. So it's powerful and I still do it. I've, I've learned to be quick to forgive, right? Because people still hurt my feelings. Yeah, I've been attacked more since I started sharing my cancer story on the internet. I mean, people are mean to me constantly. Aren't they? Oh, constantly, constantly. Oh yeah. I mean, just, I, but at this point now, I mean, I've heard every insult, every accusation, every rude comment. There's no new ones, right? I've heard them all at this point. Now it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, heard that before. But it still uh, stings when you know someone is deliberately attacking you, right? Even if whatever they say is like, you know, just the fact that they're doing it, right? And so I just forgive quickly, right? I just forgive them. I say, got to forgive them and bless them and just not going to let this ruin my day or, you know, I'm not going to carry this resentment towards this person. They don't know me. And even if they did, but usually it's people that don't know me at all. And so just moving on, right? And not going to let it steal my joy. Mm -hmm. So the other big thing about forgiveness is you have to understand that it's for life. Like when you choose to forgive, you're making a decision for life. So you've you've got to stick with that decision. Mm. Uh, You can't go back and unforgive them, right? Because that ruins it, right? You can't just decide, oh, no, never mind. (laughs) You know, you're capable of doing that. But what I like to say is forgiveness is like a healthy diet. Only works if you stick with it, Mm. right? You can eat healthy for a week, big whoop, right? What benefit do do you get? Small. But then if you go back to, you know, fast food, the benefits are erased. Mm. So it's like, when you forgive, you're saying, I'm letting this go forever. And, you know, the best example of forgiveness uh, in history is Jesus. I mean, he taught about forgiveness through his whole ministry. He's talking about forgiveness. And one of the last things he said on the cross was, Father, forgive them. So he prayed on behalf of the people who hung him on, nailed him to a cross. People that were mocking and jeering and spectating and watching him suffer and die, he forgave them from the cross, Mm. right? He prayed, he interceded for them, right? He asked for mercy for them while he was suffering, which you like, I wasn't there, but I can, I'm fairly confident that was the absolute last thing he wanted to do, Mm. okay? (laughs) Like on the cross. Us. Mm-hmm. And so forgiving someone in the middle of your suffering is next level, right? Most of us, we forgive after, mm-hmm. right? Not in the middle of it. True. 
And you know why Jesus did that? To show us that it's possible, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And no one listening to this interview has ever been nailed to a cross. Mm -hmm. And so that's the challenge, mm -hmm. right? It's like you forgive. Like mm -hmm. Jesus did it from the cross. You can do it from your sofa. Mm. <laughs> so good. <laughs> right. right. I, so, and the scary thing too is, of course, Jesus said, if you don't forgive on earth, your heavenly father won't forgive you. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> let's not take any chances. Exactly. Seriously. Why would you risk that? Right. You know, so I'm like, no, it's cool. I'll forgive everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, well, Chris, I love your story because it's almost like you took the victim hat off and you chose to step into being a victor and be the power, powerful person that God intended you to be. And who knew that he would have allowed cancer to completely transform your life and just shape who you've become. It's absolutely amazing. And I believe he's doing that in my life too. If people will allow it, he will do it for them too, you know, but it's a partnership. So everything, it's not like you just sat back. Okay, God, I'm believing your word says I'm healed. You know, you were like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the root cause. I'm going to find out what did contribute to this cancer. What are the drivers? And I'm going to be an active participant in my healing. So just absolutely love that so much. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I agree. You do have to, you have to be an active participant. Faith without works is dead. Yes. Right. Faith yeah. without works is dead. What is faith? It's belief. What is works? Action. Mm -hmm. Right. You've got to take some action. And everybody wants to be healed miraculously. And that's great. It's I've seen it happen. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. But God didn't heal me miraculously. It took time. Yeah. Right. It took time and energy and effort. And there was a lot of things I needed to learn along the way. You know, mm -hmm. if he had healed me in an instant, I wouldn't have learned anything. <laughs> right. I would have learned that God can heal in an instant, but I wouldn't have learned all these other things mm -hmm. that are so important that yeah. I needed to learn. And so like what's causing most of our chronic diseases, it's our choices. It's our mm -hmm. diet and lifestyle and stress and our mindset and attitude. This is what's causing most of human suffering. Mm -hmm. And understanding the causes is, help you, is, is how you eliminate those factors from your life, mm -hmm. right? You have to understand what's causing your disease. So, and for cancer, it's multiple factors and that's why you got to change everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts about parasites being one of the major cancer causes? And do you, you know, do parasite cleanses? I do. Microbes are major drivers of cancer. Mm. That's viruses, bacteria, parasites, fungus. So there's a, there's a lot, there are many, many different types and categories. I would say microbes because any bacteria that can, that is pathogenic, People tend to think of parasites as just like worms, right? But if you think of them in terms of just infectious microbes, and yeah, there are so many. There's bacteria that can invade a cell and change that cell's metabolism and make that cell start reproducing uncontrollably. What mm -hmm. do you call a cell that does that? Cancer. Cancer. And there's bacteria that cause cells to do, to do that. Mm -hmm. There's viruses that cause cells to do that. So yeah, it's a major thing. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is there are all these incredible compounds in nature that are antimicrobial, they're antibacterial that that kill pathogenic bacteria, but feed good bacteria. Garlic is one of the 
top antibacterial, anti-cancer compounds on earth. Mm. And it is really phenomenal. And so, yeah, I do parasite cleanses there uh, for sure. I take anti-parasitic herbs from time to time. It was a big part of my routine. And when I was first healing, what I was learning about, and it is still part of my routine. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite parasite cleanse? There's three that I like a lot. The Holda Clark parasite cleanse is a good one. There's another one made by a company called Cellcore. And they have a parasite cleanse that's sort of designed to, to be done around the full moon. Mm -hmm. And then uh, parasitetesting.com has one that's called Freedom Cleanse Restore. Mm. And it's a multi-herb formula. And so all three of those are great. And if you compare them, a lot of them share many of the same ingredients, artemisinin, thyme, oregano, garlic, like you're going to see black walnut hulls, clove, right? The, a lot of them share those very similar ingredients, mimosa, pudica, things like that. But uh, yeah, so I kind of rotate between those different ones, different mm -hmm. times of the year. Yeah. So what do you think about someone who still wants to drink alcohol that has a cancer diagnosis? I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No alcohol. Alcohol has no benefit to you. It only has detriment. Alcohol breaks down in the body into a compound called acetaldehyde, which is a carcinogen. Mm. So that is, in everyone who drinks alcohol, it breaks down into acetaldehyde in every body. <laughs> so alcohol causes cancer. It's carcinogenic. It's a known cause of cancer. It's hard on your liver. It suppresses your immunity. Like, don't do it. Yeah. If you're trying to heal cancer, do not consume alcohol, period. If you're trying to prevent cancer, you want to limit your alcohol to like a drink a week. That's kind of a safe zone, but any more than one drink a week, and you really are elevating your risk. Mm -hmm. And sure, there are people that drink their whole lives and don't get cancer, but we know statistically that your odds of a alcohol-related disease go up the more you drink. Mm-hmm whether it's fatty liver or some type of cancer. So yeah, there's no benefit to it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I agree. What are your thoughts about the Rife machine? Do you know about that? Yeah. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of research on, you know, frequency healing, energy healing, that, that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of different companies that make Rife machines and no problem with it might be beneficial. I had a pretty simple philosophy. I still do when I was trying to get well. And it was this, I was willing to do any therapy as long as it had no risk of harm. Mm -hmm. yeah. If there's a potential benefit and no risk of harm and I can find it and afford it, mm -hmm. I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Okay? So Rife fits into that category. There's mm -hmm. no risk of harm, potential benefit. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it a cancer cure. I wouldn't only get a Rife machine and not change anything else about your life. Yes. Right. But it could it certainly be easily added to a comprehensive healing plan. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. Have you ever heard of molecular hydrogen gas? I'm familiar with hydrogen water, and but I don't know about molecular hydrogen gas as a therapy. I don't. I'm not sure what that is. Okay, 
It's something that I've been using that has been, I felt like completely has kept everything stable this whole time. It has to do with inhalation. There's tons of research studies out there. And I've actually had someone has that I personally know of and introduced this machine to went into full remission that had stage four lung cancer. So yeah, it's pretty cool. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then what do you think about transfer factors or peptides? Have you ever heard? Do you know about those? Well, you have to be more specific. So this is again, this, so I have a Facebook group on Facebook and I had people that were very interested in asking questions to you. So this was a question that someone had, which is a supplement. It's a molecule actually. And it's a molecule that kills cancer cells. Its main job is to help your body recognize a threat and then attack it and take it out. And then it raises your immune IQ knowledge 437% smarter. That is also something I was led to start taking two and a half years ago. So someone that is also using this, you know, as something in addition to other things they're doing, wanted to know your thoughts, if you had any research or knew anything about this specific. I don't. Okay. No, don't know anything yeah. about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if there's uh, no risk of harm, exactly. potential benefit, you can find and afford it. Add I love to the that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I did most of my treatment with Dr. Keneally. I think you know her. Yeah. So I do. She, yeah, she's amazing. And uh, she definitely helped save my life. And we mostly worked on the emotional route and figuring out why, you know, where the open doors were. Why did I even get this cancer diagnosis? And then everything for my immune system. And so, anyways, so she has peptides there that you can inject into your stomach. So there's all kinds of different forms. And then what are your favorite cancer supplements, would you say? Well, we try to focus on whole food nutrition and as the basis for health and healing. And supplements, I think a lot of people get really obsessed with supplements, but they don't really change their diet. Yeah. You know, And the diet really is what matters more than the supplements. There's only a few key supplements that everyone needs. There's certainly a lot that you can take. And I've taken many. I've taken thousands of bottles of supplements in 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. But vitamin D is the big one, vitamin D3 for sure, because most people are deficient. And the higher your levels are, the better your survival is, uh, according to a number of studies. Mm -hmm. Getting your vitamin D over 60 and perhaps even over 80 in your blood uh, is a good target. Um, B12 is important. A lot of people who are eating a plant-based diet, uh, are not getting enough B12 and about half of meat eaters don't get enough B12 either. So those are two big ones that everyone, pretty much I can say everyone needs because most of us don't get enough sunshine. Mm -hmm. We don't get any sunshine in the winter and in the summer still, a lot of people don't spend enough time outdoors to get sunshine. So that's what D3 is about. Then beyond that, yeah, there's a lot of supplements out there. Of course, there's all these anti-parasitic and detox herbs and things. And there's supplements like berberine and resveratrol. And, you know, it's definitely stuff I've taken that I like to continue to take beta glucans being one for immune support. I like to take mushroom powders. I'll rotate between greens powders like Organifi or fresh greens or barley max or amazing grasses. So any organic greens powder, I like to take omla powder and beetroot powder. But again, those are not really supplements, right? Those are just powdered food. And so they're not like extracts. But in terms of extracted, you know, nutraceuticals, curcumin, of course, mm -hmm. is, is excellent. 
one of the one of the most important anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory compounds. And so, yeah, there's a long, there's sort of a long list of, I mean, an infinitely long list of things you can take. <laughs> but I prefer to get most, you know, the vast majority of my nutrition from food. Mm. And I only supplement with things that I know I'm not getting from food. So mm. I don't take a multivitamin because I know I'm getting all of that stuff from food. Mm -hmm. But I'll take resveratrol because you can't drink enough grape juice or red wine to get a decent amount of resveratrol, right? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Very good. So did your whole family convert to a raw food diet as well? No. No. Okay. Has that been kind of challenging? Nope. Nope. Because you're <laughs> so focused. This is the way. The thing is like, you just have to focus on you. Yep. If you're sick and you're trying to get well, it only matters what you eat. Yeah. Doesn't matter what anybody else around you eats. It just mm -hmm. matters what you eat. And so yeah. you don't need to worry about what other people eat. And there is a, a sense and a need and a desire to evangelize, right? Because you once your eyes are open, you start to be concerned about other people's diets. Because mm -hmm. you realize, oh boy, they're eating really badly. And it's, you know, this is the path to disease. And so you naturally you want to convince people, right? Follow me, right? But I'm gonna advise you not to do that. Just focus on yourself, get well. Eventually, people around you will want to know what you did and will come seeking advice. Mm. But you're going to cause yourself a lot of frustration and stress trying to convince everyone around you to do something that you just learned about, mm -hmm. right? And because they're looking at you going, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, they don't believe you know what you're talking about. And you probably don't know what you're talking about anyway. <laughs> you know, it takes a long time. You know, I waited six and a half years before I started talking publicly about what I did wow. and what I had learned. And it took me 15 years to write my first book from the day, you know, from diagnosis till it was published. If I'd written a book two years after my diagnosis, it would be trash. Mm. Like it would be worthless because I didn't know anything. I didn't know. I would not have known what I was talking about. I would have probably said a bunch of stupid stuff mm. <laughs> that later I would look back and be embarrassed about. So mm. it just takes time to acquire knowledge. And when you acquire, you know, I kind of like to say there's like, there's two levels of knowledge, right? There's level one knowledge is you read something and you believe it, mm -hmm. right? Level two knowledge is you read something and believe it, and then you read the opposite. And then you have to sort out which is true, mm -hmm. right? And you have to really think and research more and use your logic and reason and draw conclusions because mm -hmm. you realize there's more than one opinion on this subject and there's conflicting information, right? And you have to sort that out. That's where wisdom comes, right? And so I'm not claiming to be wise, but I, I have read so much conflicting information. It's allowed me to really thoughtfully, you know, parse through and come to what I think are reasonable and logical conclusions about the nature of truth, <laughs> you know? As trying to be as truthful as I can to share what I believe to be true mm -hmm. uh, about nutrition and then cancer and healing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm rabbit trailing. I know, but the point is like, mm -hmm. don't worry about what other people are. Think about what you're doing. Don't try to change anybody else's mind. Like you just have to get on the path, take care of yourself, eat the food and make the juices and take the supplements and do the therapies and just focus on you over time, as you get better, as you get well, there will be an opportunity for you to help other people. 
mm-hmm. and look forward to that. Like plan to do it, prepare yourself to help other people, take really good notes, right? Docu- document what you're doing. Cause when you go back to, when you end up telling your story later, you know, you want to be able to have all that material organized of what you did and thought and went through journal, you know, I wish I'd done more of that in the really difficult days of my cancer journey, you know, because mm-hmm. there's so many things that I did that are kind of lost. You know, I just like, I don't know how much of that. I took this supplement and that supplement. How much of it did I take? How long did I take it? I don't even know, you know, that kind of stuff. And there's a lot more testing I could have done that might've been interesting to revisit. But anyway, so that's my answer. Okay. <laughs> Love it. So when you say juicing and raw food diet, did you mix them together or was it certain days of juicing, certain days of raw food? Both. Yeah. So I did some juice fasting for sure. You know, five days, seven day, 10 days, just fresh vegetable juices and like herbs and detox formulas and stuff like that. So I did some intensive fasting and then, but my normal days were 64 ounces of vegetable juice. I would make it first thing in the morning and then eating raw, the giant cancer fighting salad for lunch and dinner, maybe some fresh fruit or a smooth fruit smoothie for a snack and drinking the juices throughout the day. So that's the the normal routine. And then what does your current diet look like now? Is it the same? Still plant-based. Yep. Still predominantly plant-based diet, 98% plant-based. I still love juices, made a bunch of juices last week. I've got some produce in the fridge right now that needs to run through the juicer, (laughs) some celery. I need to pick up some carrots. So yeah, I still love to drink juice. I don't drink 64 ounces a day, but I like to go through about, if I'm going to make juice, you know, I, I like to make a batch of about 32 to 40 ounces. Just go ahead and make a big batch and that'll last me a day or two. And then still consume a lot of raw fruits and vegetables, giant salads, fruit smoothies, cooked veggies as well. So I'm not all raw anymore. I eat cooked vegetables. We have a cookbook called Beat Cancer Kitchen. It has lots of just incredible, delicious anti-cancer recipes that are raw and cooked and uh, juice recipes and smoothie recipes and stuff like that, that my wife and I published a couple of years ago. And yeah, so that's the way I eat now. Yeah. Awesome. And then what do you think about fish? Like, do you, I don't think about fish much. (laughs) The fish, if we're rating what's the healthiest animal food, it would be fish in a perfect world. Unfortunately, a lot of fish is contaminated because we have such a serious environmental pollution problem that Mm -hmm. our oceans, lakes, and rivers have so many pollutants in them. You know, mercury is a big one, but there's certainly many others like BPA and rubber chemicals and all kinds of horrible stuff. Mm -hmm. So I I have fish occasionally, Mm -hmm. maybe a piece of wild caught salmon or maybe some sardines sardines being small fish that don't accumulate environmental toxins because they're so little (laughs) and they don't live very long. So like sardines from the North Atlantic or something would be on the cleaner side of fish, but to the higher chain predatory fish, yeah, like tuna and, you know, mahi mahi and uh, swordfish and stuff. I, I never eat that stuff. Never eat shellfish. I don't eat any scavengers. So yeah. Mm -hmm. If I eat any animal protein, I try to source it from, you know, a clean source for the most part. Love it. So good. 
-hmm. Well, for the sake of time, I think we have to cut our conversation off, but I appreciate you so much coming on here. You gave us so much to think about, so much wisdom. And for any of your resources, it's chrisbeatcancer.com. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And then are you currently like coaching or taking on clients in that way at all? I don't do one-on-one coaching anymore, but we have a coaching program, which I know you're familiar with. It's called Square One. And so if you go to chrisbeatcancer.com and click on coaching, there's information about about our coaching program and our private online support group and, you know, everything we do. I just, I got to a level of, I don't know if you call it fame or success or whatever, that I, it was just too many people, only one of me. (laughs) And so it forced me to do something that was really turned out to be like one of the best things I've ever done, which was create this coaching program for people, which is me teaching the same thing I would teach a person one-on-one Yeah, teaching in a program. And so it's all there and it can be watched over and over. And you know, it's just, it's been a way for me to really help a lot more people. Exactly. So yeah, that's definitely available as a resource for folks if they want to really dive in and get intensive instruction and a, a straightforward plan. Here's what to do. Here's how to walk through, you know, nutrition and exercise, a detoxification, stress and forgiveness, supplements, testing, all of those things are, you know, we teach them all in different modules in the square one program. So yeah, that's out there. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's supposed to be seven year anniversary of, of that program rollout this year. So that's pretty cool. It's been going for yeah. seven years. I, I know I just, I feasted on it. I went from one you know, DVD to the next, it was just so fascinating. And it was so opposite of what my doctor had just told me, like, don't worry about your diet. I mean, of what I had just been told. And I was just under that pressure to make a decision. And I believe, I mean, there's not really, we don't, there's no emergency situation usually, you know, but yet they just treat us like we got to move, move, move. And I did it because I was so under that fear. And then I got a hold of your stuff and I was like, ah, oh, okay, Lord, I can do this. So again, I'm just so grateful. And I can't just help but think of, I can't be the only one, right? There's gotta be maybe even millions of people, Chris, that you've impacted and you'll never know maybe until you get to heaven. Oh, never know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's true. It's, that's the power of the internet. Yeah. You know, you put yourself out there and put information out there and you just have no idea who's reading it, watching it. And how it's affecting them. And if it's, you know, but I certainly have had enough feedback to know that what I'm doing is important and uh, (laughs) helping a lot of people. And so I just continue. Yep, exactly. Well, what's in the works for the future for you? Do you have anything you're working on right now? We have a few projects going, nothing I can really announce yet, but I've got a great team. You know, the thing about what I do is like, it's just an ongoing mission. Mm-hmm. right? There's 5,000 people diagnosed with cancer every day. And that's just in the US. And so every day, right? Mm-hmm. 5,000 people need hope and encouragement and education and practical information that they need to understand the disease. They need to understand what's causing it, what they can do to help themselves survive, that there's all this wonderful evidence showing that we can improve survival with diet and lifestyle choices. They need to understand that people have healed all types of advanced cancer. And I've interviewed people who've healed almost every type of advanced cancer. I've got a big, big library of interviews on the podcast, YouTube, my website. 
you can go to the website and just type in, you know, type in breast cancer and here they are, or colon cancer or lymphoma. So yeah, so it's like, that's the mission. So the main thing is just to keep doing what I'm doing. Yes. Right? Just to keep interviewing people and sharing these amazing healing stories and keep reading and researching and trying to just trying to reach people in their moment of need. Right. And so by continually sharing that we're, we're, you know, again, we are reaching new people every day. So that's the main focus is like, just keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you for being such a beacon of hope and giving so many people permission to heal naturally. So Yay. You're welcome. Thank you. It was yeah. lovely to meet you, Erica. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the show. My prayer is that the podcast encouraged you and filled you with hope. If you loved what you heard today and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at It's Erica Matthews and join my Hope and Healing for Cancer Facebook group. Remember this, anything worth having takes work. See you next week for a new episode.